You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. Wepa, what up, man? This is your boy, Al Mega. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders Podcast. And today we got an amazing independent creator my man got a dope project out right now i mean it's right up my alley because you know how i love horror right and homies bringing some traditional latino folklore to the front and about to scare the crap out of us he's a screenwriter he's a producer he's a director let me introduce the one the only the very talented miguel Mickey Martinez, Wepa, Kero, how you doing? <laughs> Hi, I'm doing really good. Yeah, but thank you for coming on. Talking about the your, your dope Kickstarter that is live right now. I mean, right now, folks. Very simple. You, you know, I'm gonna show you the link in a little bit, in a minute. Um, so uh, talk a bit about yourself, Mickey. You know, this is all about origin stories. You know, first, first and foremost. Tell me a bit about yourself, where you were originally, and what was your first love in fandom? Sure. Um, so I I, uh, I grew up in New York until I was 12, and then moved to Texas. Where uh, in New so, York? And then uh, Manhattan. Um, oh, so okay. You're Manhattan boy. All right. Yeah. Here you go. So I lived in Manhattan, and then, I, I, then I, uh, when I was 12, we moved to South Texas. Uh, so that's really fun. And but uh, I was always consistently going back and forth from uh, from the U.S. to Mexico. Okay. So um, so my first love, I guess, like my first fandom love. Uh, I remember uh, I had a bunch of like um, a bunch of pirated Spanish uh, X Men uh, animated series. Love it. That's the way we used to get it back in the day. <laughs> I get it. I so I used to have I used to have those and as it, like I would I would watch it like on Fox and love it, but yeah. um, you'd watch them out of order and you didn't really know what was happening. And but uh, I had but it, like I had the actual like it all fit on like two DVDs or something, and it was like <laughs> the coolest thing ever. And I think that was the first time that I was like, oh, this is great. I didn't even know there were comics. Like I found out there were comics after. After it, it's, it's, I love it. So you're a nineties kid then, right? Yeah. Um, so, so, there you go. Yeah. I, that, that's so funny. Eighties kids, seventies kids, you know, before of course all about finding this stuff on print. But then when you go nineties forward, it's really I think like a fifty fifty uh, you know, I found comics or I find it through animation first. Interesting. Yeah. Shout out to Hades right here. Pop it and yo, 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 that's right. X Men cartoon was amazing. The best, I don't know, man. We had good things going on. Spider Man, too. You know, we, we had some gargoyles. <laughs> Spawn on HBO. Come on now. All right. So, uh, so that's your first love, X Men. So, how did you, how did, did you discover the comic? When you discovered the comics, that it was a comic, did you, did you have by chance a shop that you start buying? Yeah, I started buying stuff and like comics in the '90s were really weird, uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I bought like older stuff and then uh, when I started getting older, I started reading like Hickman stuff, and then when I and then I went back and read like Claremont stuff, 
And so like, I've always really like, I really like X-Men Evolution. I think that is like severely underrated. I think it's really fun. It is, it is. I mean, like, uh, when people tell me, what's your favorite Batman uh, cartoon? And I always say, you know, again, I love Batman Animated Series, but yo, Batman Brave and the Bold, that was fire. Brave and the Bold's great. I love that. That's my favorite, hands down, of all the Batman series. It introduced so many characters in the DCU, and then the underlying story. I mean, come on, man. Wannabes. How the hell can a cartoon make you care about Wannabes? <laughs> <laughs> love it. I, 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 I think based on like what I've watched the most off of Batman, I, I've seen like a, a Batman Beyond the most. I think. Okay. I think I've seen Batman Beyond more than the animated series. So, would you be excited for for a live action version of Batman Beyond? Yes, because I feel like (laughs) Batman Beyond can get like weird in the in ways that I feel like they wouldn't let a Batman movie get, like a straightforward Bruce Wayne movie. I feel like that can get as weird as like a Beyond movie. I I like my Batman weird. (laughs) (laughs) Like I like. I like Bane on on those like steroids. I like Man Bat. Man Bat's my favorite. Yeah, bro. Right. I mean, wasn't it? Uh, did you? Well, well, I mean, I spoil it. I'll leave it alone. I'm gonna spoil it. It's coming out. I'm leave it alone. <laughs> Some cool stuff going on with a Man Bat type of stuff. All right. Um. So, were you alone in your in your fandom and you kicked them while you were growing up? Oh, what was was I alone before? Or am I alone now? No, no. In regards to growing up with your fandom, were you, were you oh. alone, or did you have like a tribe of, of, of people that you hung out with? That, that no, I mean, like, like uh, I think, I think the the horror community and the X Men lover community are much closer than than people realize because at the because the X Men stories also are so grounded in like horror and like aspects of horror, and but so of like course, I, I mean, things with powers and demons and yeah. creatures. Oh, no, hell yeah, it's horror. Yeah, and so so I grew up mostly in like the horror community, and and those those people love X Men. So I I feel like I've always been in that fandom. All right. So you say you grew up in the horror community, and I must ask, I'll tell you mine first. My very first horror movie was Hell Night with Linda Blair. I saw that as a little kid in the movie theater. My parents just took me to see this thing. You know, instead of terrorizing me, I fell in love with this whole idea. Like, holy shit, this is crazy. Killers. Teenagers, you know, uh, what cool stuff, huh? And then I fell in love. What was your first? Um, I think the, the first movie, the first horror movie that I saw, um, I don't know if this counts because it's a miniseries, but the it miniseries, I saw it, it as a movie, I saw it as two VHS tapes. Um, but I remember, um, I watched it at my neighbor's house because, and then so because like the, it was like a sleepover and they put it on. And I remember like all of us hiding behind the, the couch. It was like the scariest thing I'd ever seen at that point. Um, <laughs> but, and then like, but I, I didn't love it. I was, I didn't like the feeling of being scared. So I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not into this. But I remember the first time I was scared and I was into it was um, when I was watching Signs with my cousins. Science. And like the movies, like the M. Night Shyamalan Signs. I yeah. remember watching Sans for the first time and being like, "Oh, I'm I'm really into this. How, how this makes me feel." And like, like sort of like 
you're into horror movies more than you'd be like engaged in other movies. And so uh, I like searched, and that so I've I've been like devouring horror movies ever since. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So talk about then you start starting to get creative. When did that journey begin? When did the spark of creativity come in your life? Um, well, I, I've always been, I've always been like uh, sort of a, a creative person. I, I, at first, I wanted to like do books when I was a little kid. There was like a young authors conference, and then we like write books and stuff. So I would do that. But uh, when it started getting horror, was I think sometime like really really early high school when i started doing like short films uh i would i would i would try to do comedies and i would try to do different things but i realized that like i just i realized that um that i i wasn't as engaged in those things and i wasn't like people weren't as engaged in them because like they were because when you're younger most of your movies are really bad uh but i realized that if i tried to do a horror movie uh people would still find it engaging. Even if it wasn't that great, people would like it more and they could tell me they liked it more. And they would like be really, really into it. And sometimes I would, sometimes you would scare them in like an interesting way that you weren't expecting. And so uh, I think I just found that that came easier to me and I was more interested in those things, like that kind of stuff. All right, man. So what steps did you take to start really getting engaged in it, getting professional? How um, you self-taught? Well, like, uh, like most of it was self-taught. I mean, I went to like a, a magnet school. So a lot of like, uh, outside of like the the film schools and outside of all that, a lot of like schooling in like media, it's sort of pushing you into broadcast because that's where like the that's where the the career path is, you know. So like a lot of like uh, like my high school stuff, it was like editing and everything, but it was mostly to prepare you if you wanted to go work at like the local news station. Which I did. I I, and I interned at the local news station, um, then, but uh, but I think where I really want to start just to lean into the creative part is there was this uh, after school program uh, for like it was like a for like urban youth I guess, and it was really really about uh, sort of like getting these kids tools that they need and just letting them do crazy things. And uh, I'm I'm lucky that they kind of just let me do horror movies. <laughs> they kind of just let me do scary things uh, and fun things. So and like experimental things. I was just experimenting on what I can do with cameras and stuff. And I thought that that was like the one time that I or the one in the beginning where I really felt like I could do this professionally, sort of. Yeah, I can't. I know I can't hear you. I think you're talking. What type of equipment start learning on? Oh Jesus! Um, this was before the the revolution of like, this is right right at the the tip of making all of the uh, the digital revolution happen. So it was it was a uh, it was essentially I know this is still digital, but it was on DV tapes. It wasn't on SD cards, and so I don't know it, if we were just really really poor at the time, but. Uh, all I would do was like, was put DV tapes and then import, it and so I know how to work DV tapes, which served me like later in life. But uh, like now, when I look back and I'm, if you if I go in and look at like uh, what the kids at those at that same, uh, it's called Stacy. So um, 
at that same after school program are doing they're they're like handling like uh like black magic cinema cameras that's right. insane <laughs> well, some crazy equipment in day hand my daughter went to Fusa university and these kids had some crazy stuff on their hands I mean, come on now they they they, they film nxt shows yeah you know, at, as practice <laughs> live shows that broadcast that's insane i, I love it though that, yeah. thank you for supporting creative community i mean you know um so talk about now you know stepping into making an official project and building a team i mean what was that learning curve like for you or, sure, or, or I mean, like, a community yeah. yeah i mean like I'm, uh, most of my so i worked in just so uh so i i uh my wife and i got married in 2015 and we moved uh, from our honeymoon, we, we drove to LA. We made the drive Bro, from Texas. To LA. Everybody goes to LA. So let me ask: <laughs> Did you know anyone in LA when you made that? Okay. No, yeah, but uh, well, we did not. But don't do okay. don't do that. That that's not that's not the, that's not a good thing to do. That's so, not a Okay. So we, we we didn't know. Like we we had a friend that lived in California that lived in Riverside. And so we went to stay with her for like to land here when we drove here, and then we got to look at houses. We hadn't even been here. Like the, we were children. We were. It was terrible. It was a really bad decision to make, but it was. It was. It was a good decision. It worked out for us because yeah. we got. It's a combination of being really lucky and like, uh, like being persistent, I guess. But um, when what? But don't do that. Like, do your research before you move. <laughs> Like no people have connections that don't do. I go blindly. Don't go blindly. That's not good. That's not smart. Um, Amazing. But we we moved over here, and then the first thing. So the first thing I did was I emailed um, uh, production and distribution studios, essentially because I had an editing gig already on the side, sort of. Uh, it was a remote editing gig, and I, so I could afford to like email studios and be like, hey, I can work for free. And obviously, no one emailed me back for like three weeks. And then this distribution studio emailed me back saying, hey, are you still available? And I said, yeah. I hopped in there for like a month, just uh, almost like full time, just working. And then uh, their operations manager quit because she got a job at Hulu. And then she was like, hey, Mickey can do my job. She's like, he can do it. And then they were like, really? And they're like, yeah, he can do it. And then so she vouched me, and so I got the job. Just threw um, you into the fire by a vouch, and you're in there. Where Love it. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, which was good. It came just in time. Uh, the so I worked in distribution for like six years, and then the pandemic hit, and I I had to leave the the, the gig. But while I was there, I learned a lot about distribution, and I learned um, what I what I would do differently. So I, 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 while I was there, I started a, my own distribution company and I started like uh, helping filmmakers that had, had like a close film or wanted to start a film. And so I produced five feature films in that time. Nice. Yeah, I produced like five feature films in that time. Uh, and I, I, I say produced like some of them I started and some of them I helped like in the middle and some of them I produced like I produced the whole of like post-production. And um, so, like, uh, I, I did that. So I was used to distribution. I was used to being a producer. Um, uh, but I, what, my re- what I really wanted to do was screenwrite. So I, I have a lot of scripts, and I have, I've been screenwriting for 
since like college. And uh, I've had like general meetings, I've had pitch meetings, um, nothing's really gone through yet. And so when I wrote this script for Lechusa, the idea was, um, okay, I wanna make it, I wanna make this movie instead of trying to sell it. I have movies that I can sell that I can't make. I have movies that I love, but I would never be able to make because I don't have that talent. Uh, but I can make this movie because it's small and it's a family and it's 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 horror and I can do this. Um, then when I started getting producers coming, like I started getting two producers, or the idea turned into, hey, let's let's make a short film and then try to raise money off of the short film because we already have our actresses and like it all started coming together through 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 that. Um, so like the like getting talent it wasn't that difficult because we we already knew people or we knew what we wanted very specifically like we knew that we wanted a, a makeup artist who could do like natural looks and then, and then has their own style of like crazy or like horror or like like we, we knew the 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 uh personality we wanted and so it was really easy to find that and then talk to them and then realize right off the bat if we were going to be compatible or not. And, and that worked pretty well. All right. So, you know, you, you already mentioned the name, Lechusa is a live Kickstarter right now. So let's show people, you know, that video you got up on that Kickstarter. And then we're going to produce yeah. the Kickstarter and meet the cast and the whole crew. Wepa, folks, check it out. There's Mickey's baby right here, Lechusa. time I know I dragged you all over here and after mom died I just I missed you all of you and I want to say I'm sorry for everything I've done I thought I could get her back I thought if I wanted it bad enough I could fix this I failed and something is here to punish me going camping I am not going camping over there by any <laughs> means Diablo that lady looks scary so check it out folks check it out before we get into this baby he is seeking 10,000 for the project my homie is at $9,420 with nine days to go folks nine days to go uh, as you already saw Oh, you want life, especially if you're a horror fan. You saw that. I mean, just you set such an atmosphere just with the sound. I'm like, yo, the sound itself was just creepy through, through the whole trailer. So kudos on you. So talk about it, man. Talk to me. What is Lechusa? Sure. So Lechusa is a Latin American folk tale, and uh, unlike La Llorona and Chupacabra, I guess there's not really much. Uh, visually in like uh, American media about this. And I grew up with this story. My dad grew up on a ranch in Mexico. So it, it, it was fed to me from a very, very young age. And I had this, this image in my mind from a very, very young age. And one day I realized um, uh, 
the, there is no image of this online. Like if you type in Latusa, it's very much pictures of owls and there's like some drawings, but there's not like, there's no movies about this. Uh, that's not where this started though. So the, the, the film started because uh, I wanted to make a film uh, dealing with uh, sort of this loss of a matriarch and the Mexican family and how, how that affects things. And how uh, I've always heard from like white television how um, like uh, the likes like the funerals bring people together, but from my experience, it's the opposite. Like the, that doesn't happen. Like when when somebody important dies, it tears people apart. It tears the whole oh, family yeah. apart. In Latino, definitely, it does cause more issues than than anything. You, yeah. you you hope that it brings the closeness, like those sitcoms show us, but. Yeah, uh, sadly, it, you know, at times it, it tears apart more than it brings together. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about the, the like that. I wanted to talk about like how uh, like how there's a right way to, to deal with something and there's a wrong way to deal with something. And when you deal with it wrong, you end up hurting the people around you. And I wanted to turn that into into a metaphor. And I I had that, I and I I, I wanted to make that. I turned it into like it used to be a a movie that was sort of closer to. Uh, the craft, and then I turned it into Brujeria, which was a which is a really really great like the choice for in, in that because I, I think there's a lot more there and there's a lot more there that's never been represented in media like that. Absolutely uh, right, absolutely okay. right. Bring it on, kiddo. Preach. There's so much stuff in that Latino culture. You want to get creeped out? Shit, these motherfuckers don't know nothing. <laughs> and like, there's so much that that I already sort of know, but uh. Uh, I bought a bunch of books about it, and I, I really researched about Brujeria and how uh, how the the only reason we still have it is because it's sort of indigenous practices that latched onto Catholicism and managed to survive. Yeah. And so, like that, uh, I I really wanted to bring that out into it, and then we needed an antagonist, and I kept thinking of La Lechuza, and so I did a lot more research, and I found a version of the folktale that I really liked. And so uh, we stuck it in, and we uh, we sort of like had the story grow from there. And so it's it's uh, stars um, four actresses, and they all play sisters. Uh, one of them is a stepsister, but they all play sisters. And that's the mask of the Lichens. Yeah, right there. Yeah, we'll get through yeah. that. But let's talk about the cast, right? These four ladies, right? Yes. So it's a uh, Amy Cassandra Martinez, Jude Salazar, Leslie Augustine, and Miriam Blanco. And they play four sisters uh, who lose their matriarch, and it's like what 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 happens to their interworkings of the relationship because of that, and how does it bring out like their their worst insecurities and stuff, and so what we what we use let you say as like a metaphor for that, and it's but at the same time it's really scary and really fun. Uh, I I always refer to it as hereditary means the evil dead, oh. which is like two things that I'm really interested in. <laughs> So funny, I, I was driving in a vehicle over the course of the week and somebody was talking about Hereditary and how much they love that film. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I love that for sure. <laughs> yeah. I tell people, what's that? Where did you get the cast from? Because this uh, Andy, Medium Blanco, she kind of reminds me of Linda Blair. You know, talking about <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, right? Yeah, I never thought of that. Um, so, uh, so, so, uh, Amy Cassandra Martinez—that's my wife. Uh, hey, Jude, okay. 
Jude, uh, Jude Salazar, we've known each other for a while. I think we met through Amy. Uh, she's an actress and uh, uh, actually her, her commercial for uh, Panda Express aired during the Oscars last night. That was really cool. Oh, wow. Um, okay. That was fun. Uh, Leslie Augustine's also an oh, actress. She's a dancer. <laughs> right now. <laughs> what? So you just made me hungry, Panda Express. Yeah. What about now? Uh, Leslie Augustine's an actress too. She's a dancer. And Miriam Blanco is also an actress. Um, and uh, Miriam, Miriam Blanco was the last actress cast because we we were looking for a, a, a disabled actress, Latina actress, who could pull off the role. And uh, it, that was it was really it was it was tough because we we couldn't we it was difficult to find people and in in, in that lived that, that lived in LA at this time and had that had that time free and everything like that. Um, and, uh, and Valerie Frederick, who is a producer, found her, and uh, she she's also disabled. She's a wheelchair user, and she she helped us sort of maintain this sort of this this authenticity to everything there. And she calls us out on all of our bullshit, which is fun. <laughs> As she should, hey man, you know, rep, you know, doing a proper rep sometimes is important. You know, so I, yeah. I, I dig that. And I, I dig that you have a diverse team. Like, that's amazing. But, yo, for real, yo, she dead ass look like Linda Blair. <laughs> I can't get over that. Yo, right? I mean, say, look, look. Yeah. Yeah, you need to make some uh, new exercise. Side-by-side pictures, and I'm going to send it to them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so all right. So uh, you told us about Valerie. Who's Sam? Uh, Sam is my best friend from Texas. Uh, and so we we work on some some stuff together. We uh, published a comic together. Um, and so I, and <laughs> yeah, we we published a com- it's a comic called Quetzalcoatl. Okay. Uh, and uh, we it's about it's about the the, the god Quetzalcoatl from uh, Mayan and Aztec mythology, and it's sort of this updated version of that. Uh, it's we use kind of super tenets of like superhero mythology, but it's not it, it's not really a superhero story. It's more of just a coming of age story with uh, with uh, all of these interesting uh, stories from uh, Aztec and Mayan mythology, and we sort of uh, sort of uh, reboot them for like a modern context to like teach people about them, and it's really fun. But. Uh, it's really, know, that's really cool. We, about making <laughs> yeah, we we have a we have the first issue out already, and uh, the, the the volume is hopefully going to come out uh, later this year, early next year. Uh, hopefully next, hopefully it'll be earlier, but we'll see. But I mean, it uh, looks like the really really team: uh, Camille, Carlos, Gracie. I mean, the, the creature design, you're going to get into that mask. That shit looks sick. That Diana, I mean, how did you build this team up, boy? I mean, are these all personal friends like this that you know? That are, uh, some, some of them are personal friends. Like like Roy Kirk, I worked with him in distribution. Uh, Carlos Garcia is my cousin. Uh, uh, Gracie Vargas is, is a close friend who uh, reads most of my screenplays and, uh, and, and gives me feedback on that. But like, uh, like, Camille was found by our producer Valerie. Um, I found Tatiana on Instagram because I was talking to a lot of different makeup artists, and a lot of them e- either they 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 didn't have the exact skills we needed, or they had the skills we needed and didn't seem like they would be good to work with. 
but yeah. but but she she has all the skills we needed and more and she just seemed really really easy to work with and, and yeah. really really cool so that was nice the and creature design like I, have, I have a whole story behind this yeah talk about it i mean you're not by yeah geez creep e my <laughs> god talk about okay okay so um like i said so before i said if you go to google you don't find any images that's not necessarily true you find one image and the image that you find is like a it's like a thumbnail of a, of a picture of this of, of, of a, of a, of a Latusa mask thing but if you follow that if you pull on that string you find a bunch of like youtube thumbnails that all use the same image that they just stole and like put like a filter on or something so what I was thinking was, was okay, whose image is this? Whose image is everyone just stealing? What is happening? So I went down this rabbit hole uh, one day for like, for like 10 hours. And I found, oh, I, I found the person, I found the person, uh, I found a DeviantArt account that was like inactive from like 10 years ago. And it was this person saying, hey, I made this uh, for my college final. And it was, the, it was the mask. And I was like, oh, what is this? So I tracked that down again for another like two hours and I found like a Twitter account that was unused, but it had, it had the picture of the mask and it had like a name. And so I, uh, and, and so I tracked down the name and I tracked down what was happening and I finally found the guy. I found his IMDB page and he is a makeup artist on Fear the Walking Dead. Okay. And then I was like, oh shit. And so I found him and I found like a way to contact him and I contacted him and I was like, hey, I hope this isn't too weird. But I found this image of you <laughs> from like <laughs> 10 years ago in college. Uh, here's here's like my script. Here's like uh, a preview of my Kickstarter. Um, here's, here's what we want to do. Uh, do you still make this? And can you make this for us? And he was like, how the fuck did you find me? Uh, was, God damn, Detective Miguel Batman he was, Martinez. He was really excited because he's like, this is great. Like, uh, like I made this and nobody was, nobody was interested. Uh, but like, the, this is uh, like, he's like, I love La Chusa. It's so scary to me. And so he basically was like, I don't really make this anymore, but I can make it for you. So uh, he charged me essentially what I feel is like the just the materials essentially because it's it was kind of nothing so he charged me kind of for the materials and he's like you're gonna have to wait until i'm done with fear the walking dead uh, like in april which is basically like like late april is when we're gonna shoot so i was like okay great so i paid him like i paid him with my own money without before the kickstarter even like look took off i paid him because i really wanted the mask and so um uh that like the, he these, these are his other previous images of it um of the kind of mask and yeah like i'm i'm it's more than i could have ever imagined because it feels like something new and it feels like i like the beak coming out like it's exactly what i what i it's what i wanted and better okay, it, it's it's, it's crazy and i love it wow wow looking grill for real jeez and i love how the beak is like breaking out like you see like the like the beak broke out of the skin. Yeah. But like some type of mutation. The effect is looks so well done. Again, I'm a fan of this stuff. So you know what I mean and then look at this. I mean, coin you bro. What? This is he's, like he's the, real, he's the real fucking deal. 
He's the real deal. And like we follow each other on Instagram now, and he's like, I think he wrapped on Fear the Walking Dead, but I'm not sure. I don't even know if I can say that. Um, but he's like working on other projects and he puts them on his Insta stories. And like he's doing like animatronic wolves and stuff. And it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. So he, he's, he's, he's the real deal. Talk about this location. I mean, look at this place. Huh? What's this? Yeah. Funny. We, um, uh, this is like 10 minutes away from my home, which is insane. Uh, we were looking at the filming locations. We were looking at different things. And we found uh, this place. It's called Sherwood Studios. Uh, and essentially, this this uh, woman and her husband they bought this twentieth uh, century home, and they like they furnished it with like weird looking things, and they buy a lot of things from like flea markets and estate sales, and they put it in the home, and they just like make it look really really crazy, and nobody lives in it. It's just for people to film things in. Really? And, uh, yeah, and so my my and I drove over and we like had like a, a tour of the place, and it's it's really creepy. It's really um, it's really neat. There's like dolls. There's like weird dolls everywhere. That I, 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 yeah, I, I was thinking it looks like something that belongs in the Conjuring. <laughs> yeah, my, my my thing for this was because uh, the whole short takes place in this home. My thing for it was I didn't want uh, white walls. I hate white walls. Yeah, it's it, uh, everything about white walls freaks me out, and so um, I wanted <laughs> brown and I wanted like patterns and like this. This home has everything. What it's, movie was that uh, when the ghosts were coming out the wall? Is that why you were freaked out, bro? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> oh, <his> Nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I know that because <laughs> uh, when I was a little kid, my mom. We don't. She didn't really have a thing of like, oh, you can't watch this movie because it's scary. But I think someone had told her that Nightmare on Elm Street was the devil or something. And so she didn't let me watch it. Uh, but my friend had a CD of the soundtrack. And I, I took the soundtrack. Uh, and then I remember like putting it in my little CD player, like at night under the covers and like putting on the headphones and then imagining what the movie would be like. Oh, man. And then when I finally saw the movie, I was like, that's not so bad. <laughs> Uh, it's a cool franchise. It didn't scare me at all, but it's cool. Hey guys, this is the budget breakdown, folks, so you can see what's what's popping there. And let's get into these rewards because again, yeah. you know, out of kindness of your heart, you go in and pledge ten dollars because you just believe in the project. You know what I mean? All right, all right. But you know, you can start as simply as five dollars. You know, for backing, fifteen dollars. You get a digital cut of the short. My email to you before it's fast. Oh, you're gonna be in a festival. Have you lined up any festivals yet? We haven't lined up any festivals because they want to see it. So, okay. uh, but we we have contacts and stuff that are like waiting for it, which is which is fun. Yeah, man, I got a good one for you too. I think that it, that would be fun. That actually travels a comic convention. Oh, nice! It'll really. Oh yeah, well I gotta hook you up with him. All right, yeah. so look at this right here for fifteen dollars. You got the digital or signed uh, collectible postcard. You know, uh, oh, what what do you mean here? Reward three, Ryder Director Zoom Q and A. What's popping there? What's that? Uh, it just I, I I found a lot of people when I was uh, reaching out. They had a lot of questions for me that weren't specifically like Lechuza questions, but they were more like Kickstarter questions, and they were more like like how to do stuff. And since we've had a few successful Kickstarters, I'm gonna have that open for like Lechuza questions, but also like any kind of questions that people want to ask. 
Yeah, man, look at that, folks. You get you get a piece, of, you get a project, and you get time with the homie. What? <laughs> Come on, man. Can't get no better than that. You know what I mean? This is why I'm limiting my questions here. Because if I was to do any more, then they ain't gonna pay for this. Uh, he's saving all the good stuff for those Q and A's, right? But you better for real jump on that. So for a buck fifty, a limited edition DVD with old school sounding special features. What are we talking about? Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, and the, the, there's only gonna be one print run of those. We're only gonna make them once. It's only gonna be right. for Kickstarter people because you can't really sell shorts on DVD. So we're just yeah. gonna like we're just gonna give them to the Kickstarter people and they're never gonna be made again. So, jump uh, on. Oh, Mike, I would love to see you make a VHS on this, too. It's getting hot again. It make that even uber limited. Oh, Dude, think about that. Nice VHS. That. Yeah, well, come on. I, everybody's, I went over to a convention this past weekend, and I and my friend is, is, does movie reviews and stuff, and he loves House Party. Would you believe at this convention we found a sealed VHS copy of House Party for only fifteen bucks. Holy wow! That's cool. sealed, bro. Factory sealed with, with the label, the white label. You know that if you break the box, you know what I mean. <laughs> Intact, bro. In, uh, amazing find. And I found some new stuff with them myself. All right, so three hundred bucks. One of us includes a Zoom Q and A with some of the cast and crew. Invited to the cast and crew virtual screening. Ooh, a virtual screening. Hey, man, what's popping here? We'll talk yeah. about this package. This sounds really fun. Yes, yeah, so uh, we're going to have a cast and crew virtual uh, casting crew uh, Q&A, so whoever can show up from the cast and crew. Uh, I think that'd be, that's, like, really fun. And um, we have a virtual screening planned, so whenever the final cut is done, we, we get people that can come. Um, it's a virtual screening because a lot of people don't live in the same area. Um, if we can put together a physical screening, then I'd like to do that. But uh, we can't like sort of confirm that in a, in a reward. But we'll see. Yeah. But, but if we end up doing that, doing it, the, the, those people from the reward will get an invitation for it. So we'll see. Um, and talk about this one too, where where somebody's audio. You know, you could be in the film. You know, the voice. Sure. So yeah, I know a lot of people really, really like the idea of of of, uh, of being cast by a reward, but most of our cast is like our, our cast is done, so we didn't really have that that that's those slots available. But what we did have is, is there's certain parts of the movie where there's like it, it it could either be read as voices from ancestors or voices from like sound effects and stuff, and so we really wanted to be able to give people that that that's that chance, and so. Uh, uh, that's why we put together this voiceover reward. So you could be in the film, even though the film's already mostly cast. Oh, snap. Now, for you folks that have an IMDb Pro account, check this out. <laughs> I'm digging, guess that associate producer. Ready. So, what, how so? I mean, okay, uh, the two racks, nice. And, and you get everything before that, too, right? All the other rewards? Yeah. So. Look at this, and for 10 racks, you're executive producer, company credit, all that good stuff. And here's the timeline, folks. Let's, you know, break down that timeline verbally for us, my brother. Nice. Oh, um, uh, th there's one more special, uh, what is it? There's a special reward that was missed. And I really like it because we just added it a while ago. 
like a day ago. Uh, it's there. Down. Well, there's like one for there. That one. So it's the it's your art in the film, which is fine. So oh. um, so so you can so this is like we had a lot of artists that were like wondering about this too. So uh, you can get your pre-approved art onto on on the set of the film. And so you can have it as like set dressing and stuff if you want to see your art in the film. That's a really cool thing that I've seen before, and I thought it was I thought it was nice. So we added it um, when we yesterday. So we had like ten days left. So That's at the ten day mark, we added this, and so yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens. People always do point that out. Oh, see what it was in the background? Yeah. So you know, actually, it's a pretty cool idea. I'm digging it. Where you come up with that one? That is, that is cool. It's a good one. Um, I can't take credit for that. I saw it on. Whose Kickstarter was it? I saw it in another Kickstarter for another film, and they were like, "Yeah." And then they were like, "Oh, get here's put your artwork on like the walls or something." And I was like, "That's so cool." Excellent. So talk about the timeline before we go. So yeah. you know, but sure. So let's see. I'm just gonna so I can see it bigger. I guess my eyesight isn't what it used to be. Uh, so January to March. So we started in January. It was is pre-production. So casting, assembling crew, fundraising, rehearsals, and everything else we need to prepare for the shoot. We've already done most of it, so that's cool. That's uh, April, April uh, 2023 is our production. So we have two days over at our one location. Uh, we have some days picked out, so we'll, we'll, we're gonna coordinate and see if we can see which ones we can do. Uh, from April to May is post-production. So it's editing, sound mixing, scoring, and color grading. And we already have people for all those things. Um, for late May is the final cut of the film, so the film will be ready for festival submissions. Uh, from June to the rest of the year is uh, like film festivals, uh, maybe a public release, and then uh, it, we're we're going to use also use it to pitch. So you can so by that like what I mean is you can't really get people to read a script. That's a very very big uh, ask for a producer, but you can get them to watch a film. You can get them to watch like a ten minutes film. So that's what we're gonna do. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. So folks, there you go, folks. I've been showing this link. So if you want to get in on the action, get in on the action and support an independent film creator right here to support some horror, some new stuff at that because we need that. I'm tired of goddamn reboots. About time somebody doing something new. You know, support letsyoucefilm.com. All right. Again, he, he is so close to fulfilling the project. I mean, folks, he, he's a little, look at that, $580 away. Let's make it happen, baby. Let's make it happen. Support independent film creation today. All right. So before we go, since you said you had some awesome, successful Kickstarters and whatnot, you know, and, you, and, and you're, you're about to make it on this one. You know, you are gonna make it. You know, manifestation is real, so it, yeah. it will be, it will be funded. So talk about being successful doing these kickstarters. What are some of the secrets you've learned that you could, you know, relate to others? Um, do a lot of planning beforehand. I think, uh, like, know what your game plan is going in. Um, but I, what I mean by that is understand what community you're dealing with and how to approach. The, the different parts of the community. Um, I've learned and uh, is that all communities are different. And so uh, I, uh, at the start of this, I 
Pokemon community the same way across the comic community, and it, it was failing. It wasn't doing very well because the comic community, um, they're, they're I, I love the comic community, and they're they're way more likely to support each other while they're working. So, like, if, if you message somebody in the comic community and they're also in a Kickstarter, they'll be like, "Hey, um, let, let's let's trade pledges to get the, the algorithm up." Hey, I'll put you in my update. Hey, I'll put me in your update. Or hey, um, like let's let's like collaborate on something. Um, but the like for for film, you really have to go into the community and less the filmmakers. Filmmakers, what I've seen, are, aren't aren't game to support other filmmakers, uh, or maybe it's just the experiences I've had. But that's all I can kind of talk about. Uh, yeah. But the like the community support each other so like though i've gotten a lot of support from the horror community who want to see something cool and this is their way of doing it there it's essentially a pre-order on media you know what i mean yeah. that's sort of what they treat it as and so they want to see this thing happen and they try and they try to make it happen so um for comic for for so like for comics i focus on comic creators for film i focus on the people consuming it uh, and so you have to sort of weed. You have to sort of figure out what your what your niches it is, and figure out like how to approach them, and figure out if it works. And sort of that can only be made through trial and error. But be willing to switch up your tactics if something isn't working. Heard that, folks? Take that. That's good advice. And homies have successful ones. They need. They about to have another one. All right. But nine days to go. Just make it. Vein on this dope project. The links are below. I'm gonna show one more time. Very simple. Let's choose that film.com. You go there, it takes you straight, and then you just pull out your wallet, put in your credit card, you know what I mean, and get it done. Support them tears. Be part of this amazing project, man. Be part of the future of horror. You know we need this new stuff, this good stuff. I can't wait. I'm excited, especially seeing some Latino person right here kicking some butt doing it. Wepa, let's make it happen, baby. All right. So with that, please, you know, make sure to follow, I'm going to add the link later on and follow Mickey everywhere, all right? But again, the most important thing today is for you guys, again, support this Kickstarter, all right? We want to see the new horror, so please make it happen. Thank you, everybody, for listening, for tuning in, for watching. Please like and subscribe. Turn on the notifications for Comic Crusaders World on YouTube. With that, make sure to also support Max and the family over at UndercoverCapes.com. Thank you, everyone. Hasta la próxima, mi gente. Much love. Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 